like to invite your attention this evening to the book of Jonah, the book of the prophet Jonah, chapter 3, we will be looking at tonight. Jonah, chapter 3. Are there certain people that you view as maybe unreachable, unsavable? Now, be honest. Uh, we often will say, well, you know, the Lord, you know, there's nothing be, you know, out of God's sovereign will. But I think sometimes in our own hearts, we get resigned that that person's never, I mean, they're going to, there's nothing can be done for them. Uh, you see them as too hard-hearted or too much engaged in evil or sin to be saved. I think that we all have those thoughts come in our mind, and may we believe it, though we may say differently with our voices. But we've got to remember that with God, nothing is impossible, and always to trust Him when it comes to evangelism and, the, and reaching out to those who know not Christ. And we have a great example of that here in the book of Jonah, chapter 3. And before we read the word, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, just ask you to bless the reading of your word and to help me, Lord, your unworthy servant, as I preach it tonight. I ask this in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Jonah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, we read, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let it neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent, repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. We read here of the city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was the capital 
of the Assyrian Empire in Jonah's day. Now, Nineveh is located in modern-day Iraq, uh, near the modern-day Iraqi city of Mosul. And Assyria was the superpower of its day, much like the United States is today. It was the great superpower. It was the great empire. Uh, They were one of the greatest empires, Assyria was, of the ancient world. Now, they're not to be confused with Syria. Sometimes I've heard that. No, they're two different areas. Uh, But it's one of the great empires of the ancient world, Assyria were, were. And they were known for their great pride and even greater for their cruelty to their enemies. Uh, as well documented how that they often treated their enemies cruelly. Uh, many times prisoners they would impale upon stakes while they were still alive. Uh, this was a ruthless and prideful people. And it was to this capital city of, of the Assyrian Empire that God called Jonah to preach. And if you go back to chapter 1 of Jonah, verse 2, God told Jonah this, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. God commissioned him, says, Go to Nineveh. And I mean, notice what it says. uh, Cry against it. Their wickedness has come up before me. Means I've had enough. Their their wickedness has come up before me. Judgment is coming. And go cry against them. Go preach to them. Well, Jonah didn't do that. You know the story, most likely, if you're familiar with the book of Jonah. He immediately ran the other direction. And to make a long story short, Uh, God pursued him. He eventually was thrown out of the boat he was in, uh, and he was swallowed by uh, a a giant fish or whale, and he was vomited up on dry ground after he had repented. If you can read a beautiful prayer in Jonah 2. And we come to chapter 3, where God recommissions him in verses 1 and 2 where he says again, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. And this time, Jonah will be obedient to God. Now, I want to entitle this message tonight, Nineveh's Salvation. And the first thing that you will notice here in the in chapter three of Jonah is number one, we see that Nineveh hears the word of God in verses three and four. Jonah enters the city and he preaches a simple message that the Bible records. Was there more to this message uh, perhaps or this is a summary i don't know but this was the sum the gist of the message yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown jonah preached or it will be destroyed another translation states or demolished again let me repeat these words are not jonah's these words 
or the very word of God. This is God's word to the Ninevites. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, there's something to note here. There's no mention of a call to repent here. No specific mention. Uh, much like you see with John the Baptist coming preaching. Um, or even Jesus when he began his ministry. There's no mention specifically of the word to repent. The message is a declaration of coming doom upon Nineveh. But a key word here is 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And at 40 leaves a space for repentance. Uh, the word 40 seems to be you're on a probation period. You've got 40 days. So even though it's not specifically mentioned, there is a, uh, it's inferring here, 40 days and the city will be destroyed. Nineveh, like all people today, need to hear the Word of God. We need the Word of God to expose sin in our life. We need it preached to us. We need to read it daily. In Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 12, the writer of Hebrews states, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It is the word of God that penetrates in the heart of men and women to convict them of their sin, to show them of where they stand before God, that they need repentance, that they need to turn from their sin. It's the Word of God that exposes our sin. In Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verse 130, the psalmist wrote, The entrance of thy words give light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Amen. Notice the Word of God, it giveth light to us. It gives understanding to the simple. Not just to the learned, but to the simple. To all. It, 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 it exposes and shows us what we are before God. Uh, people need the Word of God. Now, there are some extreme forms, I guess you call it some extreme forms of what we would call hyper-Calvinism or hard-shellism who teach that people can be saved without the gospel. Uh, that if, since God sovereignly chooses and elects people to salvation, He can just bestow the benefits of salvation on, say, even an unbelieving uh, Buddhist or whatever over overseas and they're part of God's elect. But that's not what the Word of God states. That is, uh, I mean, why didn't He do it here in the book of Jonah? What does the Word of God state? Well, let's go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 
Paul stated, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power. And that word in the Greek is, I'm, I'm going to mangle the word up, is dunamis. But it means it's like dynamite. Look, the word of God, the, the gospel, breaks open these hardened hearts. These unbelieving hearts that are against God, that are against Christ. In Romans 10, in verse 17, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, Paul states, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. In order for people to be saved, they must have faith. And faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We understand that faith itself is a gift of God. And it is the Holy Spirit who works through His Word to give faith and repentance to those who are without Christ. How many people do you know today who are lost and ignorant of the Word of God? We often think it's those people in North Korea, you know, probably the most unchurched place on earth. And certainly it is a place of darkness. So there are God does have him a people there. But I'm shocked here in Louisiana, the deep south, how many people I come across every day who are ignorant of the Word of God. And I'm not talking about just trivial stuff. I'm talking about salvation. They may have been brought up in a Baptist church or evangelical church. And yet, their belief is in work salvation. Oh, what a condemnation on the evangelical churches here in the South. There was a song back in the 1980s, a popular contemporary Christian music song by Steve Green called People Need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, He's the open door. People need the Lord. When will we realize people need the Lord? We're called to take His light to a world where wrong seems right. And I can promise you in this area, my friends, there's so many who will say that wrong is right and that what we're teaching and preaching is, is actually wrong. So many are lost without Christ not knowing that judgment is coming. And there is a judgment coming. Uh, look, as I get as I get older, and we all get older. I don't care if you're young or old. We're getting close to that day. Now, for us who know Christ, that's going to be glorious. But for those without Christ, it's going to be a terrible day of judgment. Well, the Ninevites heard Jonah preach. And I was thinking about when God, you know, sent his angels to warn Lot in Sodom and how that Lot tried to persuade his relatives, you know, about this. And what did it say? They laughed him. They laughed at him. But that's not what the Ninevites did here to Jonah. We don't see them mocking Jonah. It says in verse 5 so the people of Nineveh believed God. 
That is, they believed that the word that Jonah was preaching was not his own words, but was the very word of God itself. What a testimony. Many hear the word and turn away. Many hear the word and mock it. But not here in Nineveh. They heard it and believed the word of God. They believed that the, what the word of God said, that in 40 days, their city of Nineveh would be destroyed. And they believed it. It was Clement uh, of Rome, one of the early church uh, fathers we often call him, lived in the second century, wrote that Jonah proclaimed destruction to Nineveh, but they, repenting of their sins, obtained salvation, although they were aliens to the covenant of God. Let's remember the Ninevites, they were different from Israel. Israel was in covenant with God. They didn't have the law. They were aliens, and yet they believed the Word of God when it came unto them. You will oftentimes hear people say, I heard this here recently. Boy, God in the Old Testament was just mad all the time. You know, like a you know, ready a tyrant, while in the New Testament he kind of lightened up a little bit. Well, they're not, they haven't read the Bible. I mean, you can read in the New Testament where, just like here in Jonah, where God is showing mercy. You can read how that Nebuchadnezzar uh, was shown mercy. You can read Naaman, others who were shown mercy. You can see, read of God's grace in the Old Testament. You can also read of God's judgment in the New Testament. Read the last uh, book in the Bible in the New Testament. It's a declaration. There's coming a day of judgment upon this world. But God, God shows mercy here unto the Ninevites. And oh, oh, how we should pray for those around us who we know that are without Christ and share the Word of God with them and pray for their eternal salvation knowing that there is a judgment coming uh, to share with them the Gospel. And look, it's not as hard as you may think. I've heard it said by preachers, you know, if you... You can't if you don't know how to you know, share the gospel, just give them your testimony. And look, giving your testimony of salvation is great, but it's not the gospel. It's your testimony of salvation. Your testimony is not the gospel. And really, I mean, it's, it's, it's simpler than you think. You don't have to learn a, you know, some formula like the Roman road, and I'm not against the Roman road. Uh, if you're not if you're not familiar with that, that's a, using a systematic way of witnessing. You can just quote to them John three sixteen and then explain it. You can quote to them along with John sixteen, First Corinthians fifteen, verses three and four. Quote to them the word of God. It's right there, folks. Jonah wasn't giving his own words here. These were the words of God that he was proclaiming, the very word of God, and they believed it. And the third thing that we read here is that Nineveh repents. What happened? The people of Nineveh believed God. And what happened next? They proclaimed a fast. They put on sackcloth uh, here in verse 5. You go down to verse uh, uh, 
8 it says let everyone let 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 them turn everyone from his evil way from the violence that is in their hands all these things were outward signs of repentance of a change that had happened in their hearts they were outward signs of humility and of mourning over their sins. They realized that they had offended Almighty God. And look, repentance will lead to a change in your life. Now, these outward acts don't save you. These outward lives, outward acts of repentance are not what save you. It's what happens in your heart, my friends. Look, when the king heard it, uh, Nineveh heard it in verse 6. What did he do? He laid his robe from him. Now remember again, these Ninevites, these Assyrians were very prideful people. They were proud of their empire. And yet he took off his royal robe and put up on sackcloth and ashes, a sign of humility, of humbling himself before Almighty God. Even the animals were made to face. Now this was not, let, let me say again, the Assyrians, the Ninevites, were pagans. So they're, they're, this is some of their customs that they're bringing. It was a custom among pagans to even have their animals faced. Uh, God didn't call for them to do this, but it was an outward actions that they were doing uh, to show their humility before God. And, and I like what, it, what the king you know, in verse 9 states. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from His fierce anger that we perish not? The king didn't know if God was going to show mercy or not here. He didn't know. But he says, let's... let's uh, uh, but he's, he's stating in verse 8, which I already read, you know, you know, let them, everyone, turn from his evil way, from the violence that is in his hands. What he basically is doing, the king is calling the people to throw themselves upon the mercy of God. And I'm going to tell you what, folks, the safest place in the world is to throw yourselves on the mercy of God. You may throw yourself on the mercy of man, you won't get it. <laughs> I can promise you that. But God is merciful. When we talk about repentance, let's remember repentance is a change of mind about sin that you have in your heart. That you're saying you agree with God about sin and then you turn from that sin. We also understand that repentance is a grace of God that He gives unto us through the working of the Holy Spirit. As the London Baptist or 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith states, saving repentance is an evangelical grace whereby a person be made, being made sensible of the manifold evils of his sin does by faith in Christ humble himself for, for it with godly sorrow, detestation of it, and self-abhorrency, praying for pardon and strength of grace with a purpose and endeavor by the supplies of the Spirit to walk before God unto all to, to all well-pleasing in all things. It is the work of God within our hearts and is shown 
through our actions as it's shown here. Look, if uh, when you repent, there's a change made. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation, my friends. And what did Nineveh receive here? Well, they're going to receive mercy, didn't they? They received mercy. God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that He said that He would do unto them, and He did it not. Let it be stated that their works are a fruit of their repentance. Because it says, and they turn from their evil way. They turn from their sins. And God repents. That, uh, the King James says, repents. It means turn. God repents from the judgment He was going to bring upon them. He relented from it. And instead of judgment, He shows mercy to them. In Proverbs <clears throat> chapter 28 and verse 13, the writer of Proverbs states, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You're not going to gain nothing from covering up your sins. You may hide them from men. You may hide them. I can hide them from people. We can do that. But there's one person you cannot hide it from, and that's from God Almighty. He sees every one of your sins. He knows the deepest sins within your heart. What is the thing to do? Don't try to cover it. Confess it to God. Turn to Him. If you're lost tonight, turn from your sins. Turn to Christ and believe upon Him. There's a great promise for sinners that God will have mercy on those who turn to Him. John Calvin stated, Men will never worship God with a sincere heart or be roused to fear and obey Him with sufficient zeal until they properly understand how much they are indebted to His mercy. Oh, we're so indebted to His mercy, my friends. Every day is a gift of mercy. It's a gift for, for those who are without Christ. They don't know that they're being shown mercy every day, that they're, they're, they're given another day of life, and that they're just a heartbeat away from standing before Almighty God. In order to be forgiven, my friends, we've got to realize we are sinners in need of mercy, in need of God's grace. The Lord Jesus Christ used Jonah as an example in Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, in verse 29, it states, And when the people were gathered thick together, He began to say, This is an evil generation that seek a sign, and there shall be no sign be given it, but the sign of Jonas the prophet. Let me just stop there at verse 29. Many of the people of Jesus' day, the majority were following Him because of the signs and the wonders that they saw Him do. And they were seeking a sign. They were wanting more signs. They had heard about Him doing these great miracles. Jesus says the only sign you're going to get 
is a sign of the prophet Jonah. What is that? Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be. He's declaring the resurrection. He's going to give the greatest sign that's ever been given. The greatest sign and wonder people today want to see some, some signs and wonders. It's already been given. The resurrection. The empty tomb. And yet people still don't believe. In verse 30, Jesus said it for as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. Jonah coming to preach to Nineveh was a sign of God's coming judgment as he preached. And he, he stated, so shall the Son of Man be this generation. Here is God in the flesh. God incarnate among them. And go to verse 32. The men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. Let me state, I believe Jesus is stating these Gentiles. Remember how these unbelieving Jews, how they felt about Gentiles? He's saying these unbelieving Gentiles, the men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The Ninevites repented. These unbelieving pagan Gentiles, they repented at the preaching of Jonas. Here he is among the covenant people of God. And one greater is among you and you don't believe him. Amen. And they didn't. He, uh, Jesus is greater than Jonah because He's God in the flesh without sin. And yet people still refuse that message, even in our generation today. They refuse to believe the words that Jesus brought. And secondly, Jesus actually cares about the souls He came to save. There's one thing you can tell, say about Jonah, going back to Jonah, Jonah could care less about the Ninevites. You read the whole book. He could care less about them. Uh, they could burn up for all he cared. Uh, and I want to close out and show you how the book of Jonah ends. It, it, uh, Jonah is not an example of, uh, of uh, how to be an evangelist. It's more proof of that God can use, He can use any instrument for His glory. And He used Jonah. But you read the, this uh, here in Jonah 4, as we close out tonight, what did Jonah pr say, praise the Lord? My preaching actually worked. No, he didn't say that. He didn't He had praised the Lord about these people getting saved. What did it say in verse 1 of Jonah 4? But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was very angry. Not just angry, he was very angry. And he prayed in the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth thee of the evil. Now Jonah says why he ran. It wasn't because he was afraid of the Ninevites. He was afraid God was going to truly forgive them. He says this is what I was... I know you're gracious and merciful and slow to anger. 
It says, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it's better for me to die than to live. Then said to the Lord, Does thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did rise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Does thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. And to me, these last two verses are so key. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Notice God said, Jonah, you've had pity on that gourd. You felt sorry. You, you're sad that it, it died. Then he states in verse 11, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein there are more than six score thousand peoples that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle. He says, Jonah, you're, you're, you're upset because that gourd died. You, you, but I, I'm having pity. You're not concerned about these souls that don't, can't tell one way or the other and that I'm showing mercy upon them. I think today, my friends, we can get lost much like Jonah did in our concerns for things in our life, superficial things, and we forget about those around us who are lost. I'm going to tell you tonight, there are some people that around me, some people that I know, I, I'm, as I was preparing this message, that I'm concerned about and that I need to be more concerned about, that I need to pray for that are lost. They're under the judgment of God right now. I mean, right now. You can read John 3.36 if you want to. Uh, they're under the judgment of God. If they were to breathe their last in the next few moments, as far as I know, there's an eternity of hell awaiting them. Judgments upon them. And there's many of us who know people just like that. Friends, relatives, Oh, how we should pray for them that God will open their hearts. We can be like Jonah, concerned about earthly things like a gourd or something else in our life and forget about eternity. Forget about eternal things. Who do you know who needs salvation tonight? We know, I'm sure we all know many. Let's pray for God's mercy and grace to be given to them just like God gave it unto Nineveh. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, we thank You that You are a great Savior through our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank You that You saved me, Lord, 
an undeserving sinner. That Lord, you could have gave me justice. Oh Lord, we thank you that you are a merciful God. And Lord, you don't turn away from sinners who throw themselves upon your mercy. Oh, praise be to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And help us, Lord, have a concern for those who are without Christ around us. That we will pray for them and that, Lord, that you will open up opportunities for us to share the gospel. Help us to always be thankful for the salvation you have given us. And may we always glory in it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.